1 Corinthians chapter number 7. Look down at verse number 1 tonight, and we'll read right through this, and we'll get right into it tonight. Quick business meeting afterwards, and then uh, we'll be dismissed this evening. Verse 1 says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. And let the husband render unto his wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, of her, of her own body, uh, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, and that you may be, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for uh, tempt you not for your incontention. I can't say that word. Uh, that I word right there. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. For I would not, or I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Uh, and unto the married I command, yet not I, excuse me, skip verse number nine, but if they contain, cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. If you're married this evening, look over at your spouse and say, at least we ain't burning, amen. <laughs> Let's pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We just thank you, Lord, for an unclouded day, Lord, that promise of heaven. Uh, Lord, it's what gets us through the hard times and the dark times, knowing, Lord, that this world is not our, our last step. Lord, it's not our final resting place. But, Lord, there's a land that is fairer than day. Lord, there's a home that has been prepared for us. And, Lord, we'll enjoy it for all of eternity. Lord, we pray now, Lord, you'd help us this evening. Uh, Lord, give us some information. God, give us some truth and some practical applications. God, that we can take home tonight and practice within our home. And I ask you, Lord, you touch those relationships, Lord, that we have, Lord, those oh, between the man and the wife, the, and the, the wife and her husband and the family as well, Lord. And we understand tonight we all want good homes, we want good families, but, Lord, it's got to start from the top and work its way down. We just pray, Lord, tonight you'd help us, Lord, to glean from your word tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, to introduce us tonight, I want to ask you a question. If you needed marriage counseling or if you needed marriage advice, who would you go to? Or what would you be looking into somebody or into some uh, uh, couple sense? Well, what would you be looking? Well, you'd probably look for an older married couple, right? Somebody who's been married for a while and they've, they, they've, they've stuck it out and they've stuck together through the years. You'd probably say, you know what? There, there's probably something they have, some truth or some uh, wisdom they can depart unto me and, and, and to my, my spouse. So I'm going to go there and we're going to get some information from them. Or you'd find somebody, they may not be older, but it seems like they have a good marriage, right? And it's not just something that you observe them, not just on Sunday mornings, amen? Because a lot of people know how to come into church and act like everything's a-okay, everything's wonderful, and they fought all the way here. But in essence, you can look at them and you say, well, they're not, they're not like everybody else. They seem like they enjoy being around each other. So I'm going to go ask them for some advice. Maybe an older married couple, maybe one who's, who is actively serving the Lord and actively uh, pursuing one another. And, and, and it's, it's just evident in their life where maybe you'd go find an older widow. Right, who, who was faithful to their spouse for years upon years and, and death has come and now they are, they are widows and you would go and ask them, well, and tell me some good advice to apply in my marriage that I could follow in my marriage. But let me ask you, how many of you would go find a single person? 
who had never been married, who has never once, you know, walked down the aisle, has never once said, I do, who has never been married. They've been single their whole life. Is that somebody that you and I would, we, we would we'd scope out? I'm going to get them some marriage advice. It's kind of like raising children, right? It's amazing how I knew how I was going to raise children, right? I knew how I was going to handle every situation. I knew how I was going to keep them in line and they weren't going to act up. And my, them kids were bad, but my kids ain't going to be like that. And I found out my kids got the same sin nature I got. You know, and I sometimes see them do the very same things I did when I was a young and and so sometimes I go find back younger me and say, you didn't know nothing. You didn't know nothing at all. But here, it's interesting here, those who are in the church of Corinth, verse number one tells us they have written to Paul. And they're asking Paul for marriage advice. They're asking Paul for marriage uh, wisdom, marriage practices, thing, how, what does a godly marriage look like? And that shows me you're not just how bad of a place Corinth was. They couldn't look out anywhere amongst their society and say, you know what, that's a good marriage. We need to learn from that. And so they write to Paul who was never married. Paul who never had a wife. Paul who never, uh, you know, had a spouse. And they said, all right, Paul, look at verse number one. Now the thing, and I'm concerned the things wherever you wrote on me. And that's Paul saying, listen, y'all wrote to me asking me about this. And so tonight, when it comes to the marriage relationship tonight, we're going to look at some advice given by a single man. Now, we'll get into the night, well, <laughs> then why should we? It's interesting, right? You go to Corinthians, you go to Ephesians, uh, and we, those are the good places to go to, to talk about marriage and that relationship between a man and a woman, the roles and uh, the expectations, and both those are written by the Apostle Paul, right? So here's Paul, who's never been married, yet God uses him to give us some great marriage advice. And Paul doesn't come at this as a know-it-all, right? Like, well, I'm glad you asked. I've been waiting for somebody to ask me that, right? Matter of fact, he goes in there later on. He talks about speaking from permission and speaking from commandment. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. Paul, but Paul was a man of God. Paul was one of the men that God used to write his word. And so we understand that this isn't just Paul talking, but the Holy Spirit through Paul giving us this wisdom for our marriage so I believe every Christian can learn some valuable truths about marriage by listening to this single man by the name of Paul. Notice number one, his initial expectation. Paul starts off in verse number one, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, and Paul doesn't kind of ease into it. Paul doesn't tell a funny story to get everybody's attention. Paul, look what he starts out. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Paul lays it out clearly right there. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Well, you say, well, preacher, why, why, why start there, right? Why, why, why deal with that if they're, they're talking about the, the relationship between a man and his wife, a husband and wife? Why does Paul start with somebody who's not married yet? Why does he start with it is good for a man not to touch a woman? Here's the thing. Going into marriage and preparing to be married is just as important as being married. Right, being ready to be married is is just as important as the day that you say I do. Right, and that ceremony is done, and now you are a man and wife for all of eternity or for the rest of your life. But notice, in order for in order for something to stay right, right, that's what we we want to we want a right marriage, don't we? We want our marriage to stay right. We want a good marriage. Well, it needs to start right. Right, it needs to start right. In order for something to stay right, it has to at one time be right. 
And now tonight I understand that not of all of us are imperfect, not all of us have arrived to this place without issues, without flaws, without sins, without problems. And that's where the grace of God comes in tonight. Right? I'm glad tonight that grace, that God has grace and God is forgiving and God knows that we failed him, but yet he's allowing us, he allows all of us to say, you know what, I messed up there, but from here on out, I want to do it right. From here on out, I want to start right and I want to, or I want to restart right in that sense so I can maintain a right marriage. Now, modern-day preaching and practices, the problem with them, it causes most marriages to start off broken. Most marriages to start off with, with, with so much baggage coming into them. Modern-day teaching doesn't make any sense, right? We, we understand that in America, the divorce rate is above 50% now. Why is that, preacher? Have people just stopped loving each other? Well, no. And I'm, I'm a firm believer. You just don't fall out of love with somebody. Love is an action. Love is a choice. Right? But when you, when you are preparing people and you're, you, are, you, are, you are, are, are putting two people at the altar and you're bring, allowing them to come without sitting down with them and saying, hey, this is what marriage really is and this is what God's word says about it. When all they have is modern day teachings, modern day ideology, modern day, hey, listen, you know, you can't buy a car without test driving it. It's okay, just live together. It'll all work out. It's fine that way. Those things are bound to fail. Why? They're not established on God's word. And Jesus made it real clear. He said, listen, if you're going to build a life, if you're going to have a good marriage, it cannot be built on the sands of this world. The sands of this world's teaching and worldview, it has to be built on the truth of God's word. And so the first thing Paul starts out with is initial expectation here is verse one, hey, don't touch each other. Don't touch each other. Look at verse number one. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Preacher, then if, if we're preparing to be married or, or maybe some of you younger men, younger ladies, as you grow up and you're looking for a spouse, preacher, what are we allowed to do? Right, according to the word of God. Now, I, I, I'm not going to come over to your house and make sure you're following all this. That, that's the Holy Spirit's job and he's good at doing that. But at the same time, here's a good rule of thumb. You can do whatever keeps you from touching each other. Right, because society says, well, you know, each one's different. You know, some people say, well, there's nothing wrong with two kids holding hands. There's nothing wrong with, you know, two kids hugging each other. The world says, well, there's not even anything wrong with them kissing each other, as long as it's not too much. Paul said, hey, it's good for you not to touch somebody. Or it's good for a man not to touch a woman. In essence, well, here's a good rule of thumb. Preacher, what can I do? Whatever you can do without touching each other. Right now, that's not, a, I'm not saying go do whatever you want to do, but I'm saying, listen, if there's, here's the thing this, this, this evening, we all have a flesh, right? We all have that flesh that is weak and not willing and wanting to do what God wants us to do. And it's amazing the way God created us, right? We are, we are creatures and we are creations that desire touch, desire that, that feeling there. And Paul said, listen, if you give in to that, one touch will lead to something you never thought it would go to. One, one simple act will put you somewhere into something that you're not going to know how to get out of. Right? So Paul said, here's my advice. Don't touch each other. Don't touch it. Well, preacher, how are they going to know they love each other without holding hands? By communicating. Now, let me ask you, does holding hands solve everything in your marriage? Y'all ever got into a disagreement and you said, you know what we need to do right now? Come hold my hand. It'll fix everything. 
No, it takes communication, right? I think 99% of problems in marriage are communication problems. Either we're not communicating in ways that we're understanding each other or we're, we're just not communicating at all. Right, that's, that's that, that, that time as you're preparing to be married. It's not time to hold hands and kiss each other and figure out, it's time to communicate. What do you like? What don't you like? How do you want to serve the Lord? How do you want to live for God? How are we going to raise our children? Are we going to send them to public school? Are we going to homeschool them? Or are we going to put them in a Christian school? And it's getting all those things settled out and planned before you ever say, I do. Right, that's far more important than holding hands and taking pictures with each other. Right, don't touch, verse number one. He said, that preacher, that's strict, but I guarantee if you follow it, it'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. Keep you out of a lot of trouble. You just don't touch each other. Just don't touch each other. Now, he said, don't touch. Then verse number two, he said, don't fornicate. Well, preacher, that means, it's Sunday, preacher, we got kids in here. I understand, I'm not gonna go in depth tonight, but it's in there. Look at verse number two. He says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication. Right, to avoid fornication. And here's the thing, the day and age that we live in, you say the word fornication, people are gonna laugh at you. You old Bible thumper, you old timer, old fashioned, that's, that's, oh, it's my body, it's my choice, I can do whatever makes me feel good. If I wanna have 19 partners, that's up to me. If I wanna do everything I want, that's, don't tell me those things. And Paul said, listen, you need to avoid that stuff. Stay away from it because here's the thing that I, I know that there's some in here tonight that your testimony and where God brought you from, you would stand up and say, preacher, I made a mess of some things and I made some bad choices and the only reason why I'm here is because of the grace of God. We know that tonight. So Paul said, hey, don't fornicate. But notice what he says right there in verse number two. He said, let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. You young people, you got to come to the place where you realize that when it comes time, listen, the world says just date around. Just, just find, you know, you, you hang out with them for a little bit, that's fine. The Bible teaches that if you're looking for that, in essence, when you begin to that, that age period, you begin to, that, when girls all of a sudden start to look pretty. And boys, even in their stench, in their stink, begin to look cute. Right, it's not about just, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to this one for a little bit, I'm gonna talk to that one for a little bit. It's saying one of these that God has placed in my life may very well be the one that God has for me for the rest of my life. Right, and I, and I need to avoid that thing because as a purity is only something you can give away one time. You can't give it away six or seven times. It's only one time and it's not meant for anybody else but your own husband your own wife. That's how God designed it to be. And so Paul said, listen, y'all wrote to me asking me my advice on these things. Paul said, don't touch each other. Don't fornicate. He said, that's how you go into the marriage the right way. That's how you prepare to be married. Now let me ask you tonight, would you agree with Paul's advice that it's good advice? I would tonight. Number one, he said the initial expectation, don't touch, don't fornicate. Then notice number two, the incredible encouragement. You go down to verse number three, Paul shifts from those who are preparing to be married to those who are married. He said, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. Let me ask you, did you do that today? <laughs> Likewise, also the wife unto the husband. Let me ask you, did you do that today? Then he goes down to verse number four, the wife hath no power over her own body, but the husband, likewise, also the husband hath no power over his own body, but the wife. 
Verse number five, defraud you not one another. Now, I understand the context of what Paul's talking about here. Right, and the, that intimate relationship between a man and a woman is playing into this tonight. You get down to verse number five, that's, that's really the, the context of the verse there. But notice here, before you get down to verse number five, there's verse number three and verse number four. And Paul said, here's some things you need to do in your marriage. Here's some things that, 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 that need to be practiced here. And then you get down to verse number six. Paul said, I, I speak this by permission. In essence, Paul isn't saying I'm speaking this from practical experience. Paul said, I've never given due benevolence to my wife because I've never been married. And I, I have not, uh, uh, I, and I don't understand the power of the body of the husband and the wife. He said, I don't understand that. I, I've never been married. I don't know what it means to defraud my spouse. I've never been married. He said, I'm speaking for permission. In essence, I believe when they wrote to Paul and they asked him these questions, Paul went to God and said, God, is this something I need to address? In essence, Paul wasn't going to deal with it unless God gave him the go-ahead. And so he's not speaking out of commandment, but rather he's speaking out of permission. But even when he's speaking out of permission, it is great advice to follow. Here's what he told him to do. And the difference in verse number six, you go down to verse number 10, he said, under the married, I command. Well, now all of a sudden Paul's commanding things. Verse six, he's speaking for permission. Verse 10, he's speaking about commanding, or he's speaking about, or he's commanding some things. Well, how could Paul command some things? Well, you got to go into the context and realize verse number 10 is dealing with departure and divorce. And Paul was saying, here's some things that God has given me permission to talk about that'll help your marriage. He said, but I definitely know what God's against. He said, I can speak from commandment on those things. I can go to God's word and, and show you those things. And so notice verse number three. Well, what is, what is some encouragement Paul gave to married couples? He, he told them to be, to render. He told them to render. Now, if you're a fat boy like me, you render meat, amen? You cook that bad boy down and that, that fat is flavor, amen? Paul ain't talking about that. Look at verse number three. He said, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husband. That word render means, it literally means to give of yourself or give something that is yours to somebody else for your own profit. Right, in essence, I know what I'm going to give to you is going to be a blessing to you, but in reality, in me giving it to you is actually going to be a greater blessing for me. Right, when, when I'm obedient, yes, it is, it is great to, to give the gospel and it's great to serve the Lord, but really it, it's also a blessing on me for that end. And so Paul was saying, listen, when it comes to the husband and wife, there's something that each of you should give to each other because it's right, but in the long term, it blesses both of you. It helps both of you. Well, what is that? Look at verse, verse number three. It's due benevolence. Oh, preacher, I've been struggling with a Valentine's Day gift. I mean, you seen jewelry right, lately? You seen, and man, chocolate's through the roof, preacher. You seen the price of flowers? <laughs> well, preacher, I'm struggling with something to get. We'll give some, give some benevolence. It's owed to them. That's what, that's what the understanding there is when it says due benevolence. It literally means owed kindness. Preacher, why do I owe my spouse kindness for the mere, mere fact they're your spouse? They're your wife or he's your husband. <laughs> Men, if she was willing to say I do, that's enough. Oh, preacher, you don't understand. I'm Mr. Rico Suave. I'm smooth, man. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're not, Amen. But at the same time, he said, he said, told him to render due benevolence right there in verse number three about, well, what preacher, what is it? That's that old kindness. If there's anybody you're going to be kind to, it ought to be your spouse. The Bible said that's due to them. That's owed to them. 
And Paul said, you ought to learn to be kind one to another. You ought to love each other. Right? And, and so we start there. He says, there's a, he told him to render. Then the verse number four, we told him to release. Look at verse number four. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his, of his own body, but the wife. <laughs> Here's, I've heard this verse quoted, well, just part of it. I've heard it quoted and I've heard it way out of context. Right, well, I was sitting in a, in a waffle house with some other men who were going to church here at the time and they were talking about this. And, and here's the thing, I'd encourage you men, I'd encourage you ladies as well, those issues between you and your husband, let them stay there. Right, don't go running around telling everybody your problems. It ain't gonna solve nothing. Now you come together and y'all sit down and talk to somebody, that's, that's something else. But it doesn't make no sense for a man to go talk to a whole bunch of other men about what takes place with his wife. It don't make no sense. There ain't, there ain't no, there's nothing resolved out of that. But we were sitting there and they began to talk about this and I, I mean, I just sat there like, are y'all really talking about this? I'm just trying to eat my all-star breakfast. My hash brown scattered, colored, and smothered, amen? They want to talk about this kind of stuff and, and one of the guys said, well, now you know, the Bible says you have power over her body. She can't tell you no. I was like, what? And the Bible does say that. But it also says the opposite's true. Right? And so, well, preacher, what is this? And it's more than just that intimate relationship. Oftentimes, that's where everybody runs to. Right? That's, you, <laughs> this has got to be right. But marriage is more than just intimacy. Right? It's more than just that physical relationship that takes place there. Right? And so we see here tonight, Paul was saying, listen, you've got to realize that when you become married, it's no longer about you. It's no longer about you, and that goes both ways. It's not just that the husband has to sacrifice for himself, but rather the wife sacrifices for the husband. She gives of herself to her husband, and he gives of himself to his wife. It's supposed to be uh, uh, even in that sense. And it's just like the same thing you've ever, you know, you heard it said the marriages are 50-50. No, they're not. They're 100-100 both ways. Brother Curtis Hudson explained it that if you look at marriage as a play, as, a, as an acted out play, and you got one role, your wife has the other one, he said it wouldn't make no sense for you to go out on the stage and hope your wife fails. And hope your wife doesn't remember her lines. And hope your wife makes a fool of herself or your husband makes a fool of himself. But rather you're there working together and trying your best to put on the greatest show in the sense that you can. You're feeding each other your lines, you're helping each other, you're acting together. And here Paul said, listen, you're going to have to learn that you're going to have to release of yourself, right? It's not about you and what you want and what you desire. The moment you said, I do, I went out the picture. It is now y'all. <laughs> y'all are one flesh, amen? And so it's, it's no longer about what, what I do. And here's the thing, I don't know how many people I've talked to, but there's some that come to my mind real quickly that I've talked to that the problem with their marriage is in no way, no form, no fashion, their own fault. It's all on their spouse. Well, if they could just get it together, if they would just respect me, if they would just honor me. And here's the thing, the, the, the one that I'm thinking about right now, both of them will go tell everybody else how, how terrible their spouse is. But they won't sit down and talk to each other. And they're wondering why it's not getting any better. And so we see that he told him, he told him to render, he told him to release. Then verse number five, he brought up a reality. Look at verse number five. Defraud you not one to another, except it be with consent for a time, 
that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your, I can't pronounce that word, incontensity. <laughs> amen. I understand what it means, amen, but I, I just can't say it, amen. Paul was smarter than I was. But we see here tonight, well, what, what is that? He brings up this reality that the more time a married couple spends apart, right, it, it's, it's, a, it's a detriment to their actual marriage. What does the world tell you? Well, distance makes the heart grow fond. Paul said, no. If y'all don't ever want to spend time together, you better, better expect Satan to hop up in there. Right, and once again, we, we understand the context of verse number five. He's talking about that intimate relationship between a, a man and a wife, and that thing ought to never be a bargaining chip. Right, God didn't give us that as married couples to hold it over each other's heads. And that's, I'm gonna get what I want, and then you'll get what you want. It's something to be enjoyed. It's something to be uh, a wonderful. It's a very thing that God gave us, right? It's something to be treasured tonight. But he said, listen, there's going to be times as a couple where, yes, there's going to be a need for separation, one for another. He said, but it's only for this reason, prayer and fasting, right? One of the things when I was working in the cabinet shop, you know, depending on the, the schedule today, sometimes I had to work over but I always tried my best that when I was home, I was home. Right? And when I was at home, you know, something crazy happened, which happened quite often there. Of course, I'd tell my wife about it. You won't believe who almost cut their fingers off. <laughs> Two guys got in a fight. It was awesome. Uh, those kind of things. But in essence, when I was home, Tate, the cabinet maker, he was at, he was at the Wilkinson Way off of Gordon Highway. When I got home, I was Tate, husband, Tate, dad. Because that was, that was, I treasured that time together, right? And, and at the same time, you know, how many of us know married couples that yes, they've got a certificate, yes, they went through a ceremony, but they are not living life together, right? They, they don't want to be in the same room with each other. They don't want to spend time with each other. And if you ask them, they'll say, are you married? Oh, yes. Well, of course, there's a ceremony certificate, but you sure aren't acting like it. And so there, there's times here that Paul says, listen, you, you can come and separate, he said, but it's prayer and fasting, and it's only for a set time. In essence, because and, and, he goes on to say, verse five, and come together again, right? It's, it's not just a separation, like we're not going to talk to each other no more, but listen, we're going we're to talk, we're going to pray, we're going to fast, we're going to seek God, and then we're going to come together again. Because the longer you are apart, right, there, there's more room for Satan to work there. And I'm not just talking about, you know, going to, I understand bills have to be paid. That's what I'm talking about. Because listen, you can be uh, in the same house and not be together. You could be in the same room and not to be together. I'm probably going to step on some toes tonight. But that little thing that we make phone calls with about 6% of the time. And the rest of the time we're watching something on it. The rest of the time we're playing something on it. The rest of the time we are just, just scrolling through it. I don't think that strengthens any marriage. Sometimes you need to put that thing down, turn it off. Well, preacher, what if somebody needs to call me? They'll leave a message. They'll, they'll get in contact. Sometimes on purpose you need to sit down and you say, you know what? Ain't nothing on there that I need to see anyways. Let me spend some time with my spouse. Let me not, let me not separate myself even though I'm in the same room with them. Because that's a dangerous place to be. You're given an area for Satan to work within your marriage. And Satan knows exactly when 
to show up. Marriage is meant to be lived together. If there's anywhere else that I'd rather be right now, be at home with my wife, my, my children, my family, right? I remember being in the cabinet shop. Some of the guys didn't want to go home. Why don't you want to go home? My wife's home. Boy, if I didn't have to pay the power bill, I'd be home right now. <laughs> if I didn't have responsibility, I'd be home right now. <laughs> there was a guy, he literally took off work because, or he had took off work and then he came into work. I said, hey, aren't you supposed to be at home right now? He goes, yeah, my wife's at home. So I came into work. I said, man, that's a sad place to be. Why do you say that? I said, because it's not supposed to be that way. Right, so Paul gives some an encouragement here. And I have to say tonight, I probably agree with Paul's advice here. He brings up some valid points, some good things. And so we see the initial expectation, the incredible encouragement. Then notice tonight, number three, scroll down with me. Scroll down with me. <laughs> Skim down with me, down to verse number 32. I'm still upset about the Super Bowl. But I would have you without carefulness. Uh, well, let me find out Wimbledon's played on a Sunday. I'm going to be upset about that too. <laughs> what is that? It's tennis. The Masters. Amen. Uh, they play disc golf on Sunday too, but there's grace. <laughs> oh, but I would have you. <laughs> Excuse me. We went to the tournament here in Augusta uh, earlier this month. The guy's like, you'll come out and see us tomorrow? Said, no. <laughs> it's, 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 it's Sunday. We're going to be at church. Amen. <laughs> he was all excited. And I had to, you know. <laughs> Verse number 32. See what y'all did there? I was just about done. But I would have you without carefulness, verse number 32, that, that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. This, there is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the, world, of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit, and in spirit, but she that is married careth for the things of the world, how he may please her husband. In this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that you may attend unto the Lord without distraction. Now, here's Paul. Go down to verse number eight, back up to verse number eight tonight. Paul's desire in verse number eight was, I say therefore to an unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Paul said, listen, if I'm gonna be honest with you, so I'd much rather everybody just be like me. It makes life a whole lot more simpler. Right, marriage is wonderful. It is great. I absolutely enjoy it. But it is not without its issues. It's not without its, its, its problems that have to be resolved, right? And life was completely different when I was a single man. Right, I didn't have to, my house could get as dirty as I want. It didn't bother me. Right, I, I mean, I was, I didn't live by myself for very long. It was right before me and Miss Becky got married. But I had a couch, I had a television, and I had an Xbox. And a refrigerator. I was set. I didn't need anything else. I didn't have nothing in the refrigerator, but I was good, right? Just let me play my Xbox. Let me watch my, <laughs> my three channels on television. Let me go to sleep. I didn't even have a blanket. <laughs> I literally froze the first night in my own house. <laughs> it's, I've come a long way, man. Come a long way. But right, that was, that was simple. But now that I'm married, I understand it's no longer about me, right? I, I'm not gonna expect my wife 
to join me in my sleeping on the couch with no blanket antics, right? I enjoyed playing video games when I was growing up. They're not Miss Becky's thing, right? She's tried to play with me before. When we were first married and we were you know, dating all that, we, she tried to play with me and, and, and it just wasn't her thing. Now there's ones that she was good at and the ones I, didn't, they weren't, I wasn't good at because I didn't want to play them once. <laughs> but at the same time, what Paul's saying, listen, it's a lot simpler. Life's simpler when you're, when you're single because all you've got to worry about is yourself, right? You just got to make sure you got enough money and, and food to make it through the month. But then when you add in a spouse and you add in uh, then, then children, right, all of a sudden what Paul was saying, Paul said the ministry that I have and the, 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 the type of ministry Paul had is, is one that is, is definitely, I think, for single men in that sense, right? Because it's hard. It's hard. Uh, to have that schedule that Paul had going from one place to the next and being in prison, being beat, and all of those things. And Paul said, now listen, when, you're, when you become married, right, all of a sudden your obligations change. Your responsibilities change. Right? And, and Paul makes it clear as well uh, in here that he doesn't say, because he calls them both, every man has their gift from God. Right? And so when you got married, you can't look at your spouse and say, you know what, I was serving God until you showed up. Right, you ruined it for me. Now there's people that do that. Right, it's crazy. I mean, I've heard preachers say, "Well, you know, I had a good ministry until my wife." It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Right, and it's just like it is with my. I love being the pastor here, but my first obligation, my first responsibility, is not to this place. I love y'all, but it's not to y'all. It's to my precious wife sitting back there, and then my children. And then y'all fall in the line after that. Right? And that's how it ought to be. And it's the same thing I would expect out of any married couple. Right? If I call you and I say, hey, uh, you know, there's something I need done at the church. And, and I, if you can make it here, would you help me out? They say, well, preacher, I planned a date with my wife. I'm not going to say cancel it. Right? Oh, you don't want to serve the Lord. Oh. Guess I'll call somebody. I'll call one of these single guys. But notice here tonight, Paul was saying, listen, that his ministry was enabled by his singleness. Paul said, the way I serve the Lord, it is only so because I'm single. I don't have that, that responsibility to a wife and to, to a family. Paul said, it's just me and the Lord. And he talks about unmarried women. He said, it's just them and the Lord. He said, but when you get married, all of a sudden, now your responsibility is to your spouse. And he said, it's not a carnal thing. Right, he said he cares about the things of the world, right? Because God has commanded as a man that it is a man's responsibility to, to provide for his home, to provide, provide for his household, to love his wife, to, to make sure that there's a, there's a place where they can raise their family and, and live life together. And listen, you can go and uh, you can sit in your living room and pray and say, God, I'm not going to work. And I'm not going to have a job, Lord, and I'm not going to have an income, but Lord, I expect you to take care of me. You know what God's going to say from heaven out loud? Go get a job. <laughs> Do some work. Hey, man, he had Adam in a perfect place, and Adam still had a job. We're living in a day and age where, oh, that's not my, you can't say that, preacher. You're going to hurt the gender equality people's feelings. The important explanation, Paul said, my, my singleness enables my ministry. He said the, the significant reality is that a husband and wife's priority is to each other. 
Then verse number 35, look what Paul says. And this I speak for your own profit. Not that I may cast a snare upon you. He said, quit, give me the excuse. Marriage is not a snare. But for that which is comely, and that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Paul said, just as much as I serve the Lord in my singleness, he said, if done right and done by God's word and God's way, you can serve the Lord just like I do. It may not look the same, but it'll have the same effect. It'll have the same reward to it tonight. And so it ought to be maybe go home tonight and just thank your wife and thank your, your husband and tell them thank you for giving me a ministry. Thank you for giving me my greatest ministry. And that's to you. Right? And Paul gives some great advice here tonight. He, to the unmarried, don't touch each other. Don't fornicate. To the married, hey, love your wife, love your husband. Render them to do benevolence. And then realize that your greatest accomplishment won't be a, a, a statistic in the sword of the Lord, but it'll be the spouse that God has given you. Invest into that. Search that. Seek that. Find that. And give it all you have for the glory of God. Amen.